0: This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at the same handle, at Gorg on Sports. Definitely hit me up there because I'd love for to hear from you. I'd love for you to be a part of the show. Let's get right into it because we have a monster Saturday of college basketball ahead. We have three top 10 matchups and it works out really, really well because this is the first weekend in a long time without college football or the NFL. So really good job. I often complain about the lack of centralization in college sports, the lack of leadership, the lack of somebody who just has the best interest of the sport in their heart, in their minds at all times, and who's dedicated to doing things to help the sport. Well, whether college basketball was just lucky or the conferences did a really good job of planning, hey, we want these big-time matchups on these days, maybe in conjunction with the TV networks. Either way, it's worked out great because there are three top 10 matchups on Saturday. They are big ones. They are fun ones. I can't wait to dive into this thing. want to give a quick record update here. So on the season, I am 24 and 23 on my college basketball bets. I am down just about uh, just almost a, a full unit, three quarters of a unit. I'm down on the year, looking to get back on the right side of the ledger here. So let's dive right in to this monster slate. And I really want to focus on those three big-time games on Saturday. I actually think there's a fourth in there. It's not a top-10 matchup, but it is a top-25 matchup, so I'll get into that one too. And then I'll talk about some of the other games that I am betting on this fine college basketball Saturday. And let's go in chronological order. Let's start at 4 p.m., On Saturday, our first top 10 battle takes place in the Big 12. And it's number four Houston going to Fall Gallon Fieldhouse to take on the number eight Kansas Jayhawks. The Jayhawks, a one and a half point home dog in this game. You can get Kansas getting a point and a half. And this is a big game with big stakes in the Big 12. This is the best league in the conf- in the country. There's been some debate about that over the course of this past week. I firmly believe that the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, and it's a jumbled mess when you look at the standings. Houston is in first place by a half game. They're 6 and 2, just ahead of Iowa State and Texas Tech who are 5 and 2. Kansas sits at 5 and 3. And I believe this is a must-win game for Kansas if Kansas wants to win the Big 12. They have played the easier part of their schedule relatively in the first half of the schedule, and they've lost some of those games that you would consider easier games. They lost at UCF. They lost at West Virginia. Those are two games you cannot lose if you'll want to win the Big 12. They've also played Oklahoma State twice. Oklahoma State is clearly the worst team in the Big 12 right now. They're 14 of 14. Kansas has played them twice already. That's two of Kansas's five wins. So you look at the last 11 games in conference play. They have to play Houston twice. They got a home-and-home with Houston. They got a home-and-home with Baylor. So four of their 11 games are against Houston and Baylor. That's a pretty tough tough start right there. They also have to go on the road to Texas Tech, on the road to Oklahoma. They have uh, Texas at home. They have BYU at home. It's a tough schedule. And that's why I believe this is a must win game for Kansas if they want to win this league. You can't fall behind Houston by a, a full two games at this point in the season. That would put Houston at seven and two. It would put Kansas at five and four. And it, it, it's a must win for Kansas, in my opinion. You got to hold serve at home. Because you got to expect that Houston will hold serve when you go there. So I think this is a huge one for Kansas. What does Houston do well? Why is Houston number four in the country? Why are they number one in the net rankings? Why are they projected to be a number one seed everywhere right now? Well, it's all about defense for the Cougars. According to Ken Palm... They are the best defense, or they have the best adjusted defensive efficiency since that Texas Tech team that lost to Virginia in the 2019 national title game. So this is the best defensive team we've seen over the past five years, if you believe the Ken Palm numbers. And honestly, if you watch them, you should, because this team does everything well. They are aggressive in Attacking ball screens, they force a ton of turnovers, they block shots, and they rebound well. They have it all when it comes to the defensive side of things. They're led by their point guard, Jamal Shedd, who's a great passer, he's a pretty efficient scorer, he's an excellent defender. It also just seems like he consistently comes up with big shots, makes big plays at the right times. Head coach Kelvin Sampson also is constantly praising his work ethic and leadership. He is the guy that makes that team go. I really like this Houston team. I think they're a legit Final Four contender. I love the way that Kelvin Sampson has built this program because you always know what to expect from them. They have a calling card. They have a signature, and it's their defense. My big question and this has really been the question with Houston for the last several years, is when they, what happens if they have to make shots, if they have to score a ton? Maybe their opponent gets hot from deep, and that happens. No matter how good your defense is, sometimes you run into a hot team, a hot shooter. What happens if they can't force turnovers, and they're playing a team that takes really good care of the basketball and is able to score, and they have to respond? Sometimes it seems like with their offense— The whole plan is just to throw something up and then go get an offensive rebound. And you know what? They have really good offensive rebounders. It works a lot of the time, but that's the big question with them. And I thought this year would be a little bit different for Houston because of the addition of LJ Cryer from Baylor cryer a big time shooter a big time scorer and he is shooting uh he is shooting close to 40% on the year 37.8% from beyond the arc this year he's already taken 164 threes this season kelvin sampson has raved about the way that he's bought in on the defensive end but the offense just hasn't quite been there in conference play for crier there was a couple games there two losses to tcu and iowa state two close games that they could have won they could be sitting at uh undefeated in big 12 play right now he only scored five points in each of those games and i, I feel like lj crier is a difference maker i feel like lj crier is somebody they can give the ball to uh in the half court who can make big shots who can make big plays But that is still the big question with Houston. That's the question they're going to have to answer repeatedly over the course of the NCAA tournament. I think this is a a team that is clearly the favorite to win the Big 12. I bet them to win the Big 12. They're the betting favorite right now. They're the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12 at this moment. Minus 170 on FanDuel right now. Far and away ahead of everybody else. Iowa State plus 600. Kansas plus 750. But when you're talking about national championship caliber teams, you're going to start picking nits. And that's the nit you got to pick with Houston is if they have to score, if somebody gets hot on them, can they match it? And we're really not going to know that answer till tournament time. I tend to think they will. And I think LJ Cryer will be the difference. I think having a guy like Jamal Shedd, who has been through it all, who is now in his fourth year at Houston, you know, he's been to a final four with the Cougars. He's made deep tournament runs. He knows what it takes to win and he's playing really well this season. He's playing really well offensively. Uh, he's had an efficient season. He's been, he's been a really high usage guy. He's also a really, really good passer. So I tend to think they have one extra gear this year offensively that can get them over the hump, but they're going to have to prove it in March. And then from a Kansas perspective, Kansas has been a very good team this year. I mean, they're sitting at 17 and four. They've beaten UConn in the non-conference at home. They beat Tennessee and Maui. They beat Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Uh, They have had a good season so far, but they've also lost games on the road at UCF. They've lost at West Virginia. They haven't been the most consistent team. They lost at Iowa State last weekend. I think Iowa State's clearly on a different level than those two teams. And the thing with Kansas is all year long, it's been very clear, one through four, they can match anybody. Hunter Dickinson, in contention for Big 12 Player of the Year, potential All-American. I mean, the guy seemingly puts up 20 and 10 every single night without fail. He has been exactly what they wanted when they got him from Michigan. Uh, one through four, they can go toe-to-toe with, to toe with anybody. It's been finding that fifth scoring option. It's been building depth, and they haven't quite found it yet. And now they're also dealing with an injury to Kevin McCuller. They're all big 12 guard and McCuller dealing with a bit of a bone bruise. He was out earlier in the week versus Oklahoma state. His sad status for Saturday against Houston is unsure. And, And they're trying to figure out what their depth looks like who can step up. And now I will say they've seen some guys step up a little bit recently. Johnny Furphy who's moved into the starting lineup. He's played well since moving into the starting lineup uh, in his last four games, 11 points, 15, 23, 13. So he's starting to uh, step up a little bit. He's a guy who can shoot it from beyond the arc. Maybe he's someone who develops for them. They have a very talented freshman in you know, El Marco Jackson who was in the starting lineup for a lot of the season. And, uh, and he just, was not seemingly able to find a ton of consistency on the offensive end, but he had a nice game against Oklahoma State earlier this week, putting up 10 points, uh, said that it was the most comfortable he's felt. So, you know, there's still six weeks to go in the regular season. There's still time to develop, but it's got to come sooner than later for Kansas. That's the big question for them. Kansas is a very good passing team. If there was one thing I would say about them that they do best, it's they're a great passing team. They have a great point guard in DeWan Harris. And Hunter Dickinson is actually a, a pretty good uh, – he's, he's a pretty decent passing big as well. I don't really think of him as a guy that's like a black hole who once that ball goes in, it's never coming out. So I, I think they're a very good passing team. I think that's what they do well. And I think that will be the interesting matchup to watch in this game how does kansas handle that blitzing houston defense especially when they're with their ball screen coverage where they don't drop back they don't play drop coverage they don't hedge they go right at you they blitz you they're aggressive they try to force turnovers and a team that passes the ball well like kansas might be able to have some success about with that against that that's a, a really interesting matchup that i'm watching in this one the way I'm gonna ultimately bet this one is I am gonna take Kansas. I think Houston is the better team. Houston has an elite defense. I don't see anything that is elite about Kansas. I think Kansas might be the more well rounded team. I don't know that Kansas is elite at anything, except maybe passing. They are a great passing team, like I said. But man, oh man, how you gotta be really, really confident to lay a point and a half on the road in the fog, in February, in a Big 12 game. And I think Houston is the better team. I think Houston has the higher ceiling. I think Houston will win the Big 12. I think Houston will be a number one seed. And I think they are a legitimate Final Four national championship contender. But I like that Kansas passing ability. I think, you know, it's interesting when you look at who the best player in the court is, it's either Hunter Dickinson or Jamal Shedd. I think Jamal Shedd versus DeWan Harris is a very interesting matchup, uh, but Hunter Dickinson is a guy who does make big-time plays in big-time games. At the end of the day, I'm going to rely on that home court advantage there. I'm going to rely on Kansas's pedigree just because I think they can win this game does not mean I think they're the overall better team. I think it just means that home court advantage is that important in the Big 12. It's that important in college basketball. And sometimes it's that important that you have a big-time coach like Bill Self who has been in these situations time and time again. Kelvin Sampson has as well, but sometimes that home court advantage is just the difference. So I think Kansas is close enough to Houston that I'm taking the Jayhawks with the point it's at home. Give me Kansas plus one and a half in this one. Let's move on to 6.30 Eastern time. It is the best rivalry in college basketball. It is one of the best rivalries in all of college sports. It's number seven Duke going to Chapel Hill to take on the number three, North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina, a four and a half point favorite in this game and North Carolina was one of the hottest teams in the country. They had won nine in a row before falling to Georgia Tech earlier this week. And Brian Ives, who's a great follow on Twitter if you're a college sports fan, he's a a Carolina guy, tweets a lot of Carolina stuff, a lot of ACC stuff. He tweeted that North Carolina is 10-20 and in its last 30 combined football and men's basketball games at Georgia Tech. Midtown Atlanta has certainly not been kind to the Tar Heels. What a weird, funky stat there for Carolina. Uh, So Carolina falls to what appears to be the foe that they just can't get past in both football and men's basketball, Georgia Tech. They snap their nine-game winning streak, and uh, they get a little bit of a reality check heading into this big-time rivalry game. Brian Ives also tweets that Saturday will be the 49th time Duke and Carolina have met when both are ranked in the AP top 10. Now, of course, they've split the previous 48, just classic for this rivalry, and North Carolina has averaged 76.8 points per game to Duke's 76 points per game. That's how close this rivalry has been over the years. Now, an interesting little tidbit that I dug up as I was looking at this game is that Hubert Davis famously ruined Coach K's celebration night uh, at Cameron Indoor Stadium, his last regular season game. He ruined that with a North Carolina victory. He ended Coach K's career in the final four and perhaps the biggest Duke Carolina game ever. Not perhaps. I think it's it, definitively, it was the biggest Duke Carolina game ever because it took place in the final four and it ended coach K's career. So he is two and one against coach K, but Owen oh two against John Shire. That's a fun little fact for you there. Shire two and zero oh, has not lost to North Carolina yet in his career as Duke head coach so that's kind of the setup leading into this one now there's been a lot of talk about how hot North Carolina was heading into this game but Duke arguably has been just as hot since December 9th they've lost just one game Duke sitting at 16 and 4 on the season is 11 and 1 since losing to that same Georgia Tech team on December 2nd so Georgia Tech despite being under 500 on the year at 10 and 11 has beaten both Duke and North Carolina the clear cut top 2 teams in the ACC but Duke has been really really good uh, after losing that Georgia Tech game they were sitting at 5 and 3 on the year since then they've gone 11 and 1 with their lone loss coming at home to Pitt a couple weeks ago and Dukes beaten Baylor on a neutral court over that time. They beat Clemson at home uh, uh, last Saturday, who I think Clemson is the third best team in the ACC right now, but a clear step below Duke and Carolina. Duke has been really, really good. They're led by their big man, Kyle Filipowski. He's been a big time player for them. Uh, and they've they've gotten some really good contributions from a freshman, Jared McClain. He's shooting over 40% from three on the year, and he's already taken over 100 threes on the season. He's a guy who can really get hot From deep, I don't know how to bet this one. I'm gonna just stay away from it. Carolina's a four and a half point favorite in this one. These games tend to be close. And if it was like Carolina minus seven, I think I would jump on Duke here. I'll never know. We'll never know what it would have been. If Carolina had beaten Georgia Tech, but I do wonder if it would have been a couple points higher. It opened at minus five and a half. I saw it in real time drop to four and a half. I wonder if it would have opened like at six and a half if Carolina had won that Georgia Tech game. It's gonna be an interesting one to watch. I, these are the clear cut two best teams in the conference. So you look at the ACC standings, Carolina's 9 and 1, Duke 7 and 2. It would be huge for Duke if they want to stay in this ACC race and if they lose they're not out of it, but it it would be huge for them to even things up in the loss column. I do think it's an important game for both teams because there just aren't that many opportunities in the ACC. For resume building wins if you look at these two teams that i i think both have a chance to get a number one seed i think whoever wins the acc will have a good chance to get a number one seed uh carolina number nine in the net duke number 17 in the net Carolina 4 and 2 in quad 1 games, Duke 4 and 1 in quad 1 games, but the opportunities are few and far between to pick up a ton more quad 1 wins. You look at the top the, the other top teams in the ACC, well, there are no other ACC teams in the top 30. So that means any home game Duke or North Carolina play against anybody but each other is going to be a quad 2 or quad 3 game. Uh then you look at how many other teams are in the top 75 and there's a few, there's a few there. You have Clemson in the 30s, you have Virginia, Virginia Tech and Wake Forest at 45, 49 and 50 respectively. You have Pitt at 63, Miami at 67. So if you win road games, you can get some quad 1 wins, but Home games are all going to be quad two or worse. And so it's really important uh, for these two teams to build their resumes against one another. They can't lose many games the rest of the year. And I think if one of these two teams can sweep the series, that will be a huge boon for them in trying to grab a number one seed. Right now, North Carolina certainly seems closer if you look at the bracketology than, than Duke does. carolina Uh, On average, if you look at BracketMatrix.com, a great resource, great website, is a 1.08 seed. So they are a number one seed in most brackets, a number two seed in some. They are right there on that one-two line. Duke is looking like a 3-4 right now. They have an average of 4.04, so solidly a four seed. I don't know how to bet this game. I'm not going to bet it. My gut was to take Duke ahead of that Georgia Tech game. I was hoping it would be a little bit higher. This the series is always pretty close. I really like Filipowski, but, I mean, look, how can you not like R.J. Davis for North Carolina? He's been a guy that's been absolutely on fire for the Tar Heels. Uh, I'm going to just stay away from this one and uh, try to sit back and enjoy it. Let's go to eight o'clock. And this is not a game that a lot of people are including in their you know big games of the day because we have the three top 10 matchups. I think this one is basically a top 10 matchup. It's number 12 Iowa State at number 18 Baylor. Baylor, a two and a half point home favorite in this one. And look, Iowa State has been very Very impressive over the past couple of weeks. They are coming off a monster win at home against Kansas last weekend. Then they had a kind of bye week with no midweek game. So a full week between playing Kansas at home and going to Baylor on Saturday. Iowa State is a fantastic home team. A great home team. Undefeated at home. And uh, they have one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. They also have one of the best defenses in all of college basketball. They are very, very good on the defensive end. And the questions, if there are questions about Iowa State, are on the offensive end. But I think, like Houston, I think they've added pieces this year that make them much better than they were a year ago. Uh, They, Taman Lipsy, their point guard, one of the most improved players in the Big 12, in my opinion, they add a freshman, Milan Momčilović who just makes big shot after big shot. He can do it all. He can go inside. He can go outside. Over a 40% three-point shooter, he hits these wild fadeaways. And then they've had a guy, Curtis Jones, really step up. A transfer from Buffalo, he goes three of eight from beyond the arc against Kansas for 15 points. The game before that, three of eight from beyond the arc, puts up 18 against Kansas State. And then the uh, one game before that against TCU, and these are all three... Iowa State wins. He hits two three-pointers, puts up 17 points. So they are getting some offensive contributions. They are sitting at 5-2 and two in the conference. They are very much in this Big 12 title race. And Baylor, they just snapped the three-game losing streak by beating UCF. They're 4-3 and three in the league. And I think it's a little bit of a time to buy low on Baylor. Scott Drew said it after the UCF game. They are a couple possessions from being a top three team. They lose to Kansas State in overtime on the road. They lose to Texas by two on the road. And they lose a triple overtime game against TCU at home. Don't let those three losses fool you. This Baylor team is very, very good. They have two outstanding freshmen in Eve there their big man, and Jacoby Walter, a super athletic wing. They are a scoring machine. This is a great offense. It's a team that can really light it up from deep. I think they're really close to being a top five, top ten team, and that's why I'm going to take Baylor at home in this one, laying the two and a half points. I also saw a tweet earlier today from Evan Maya, I'm going to see if I can find it here quickly about the biggest home court advantages in college basketball. So teams that uh, essentially overperform at home compared to how they perform on the road or the biggest discrepancies between home, how a team plays at home and uh how a team plays on the road. And Iowa State is number four on this list of best home court advantages. And it's reflected in the fact that they're undefeated at home, but some of but their losses have come away from Hilton Coliseum. Early in the year, a couple neutral court losses to teams that are Very much middle of the pack right now in their leagues, Virginia Tech and Texas A&M. They've also lost to Oklahoma on the road. And then BYU absolutely lit them up from beyond the arc when they played at the Marriott Center. I think Baylor can do something similar with the way they shoot the three. So give me Baylor minus two and a half in this one. But I expect this to be a tight one throughout. And I think Baylor has just enough to get over the hump. It's a buy low spot for me. On the Baylor Bears, and let's finish up our big-time matchups at 8:30 Eastern Time in the SEC. Number five Tennessee goes to Rupp Arena. They're going to take on number ten Kentucky. Kentucky, a one-and-a-half point dog in this one. And just tell me how many times over the course of college basketball history do you think both Kansas and Kentucky have been home dogs on the same day? I bet it hasn't happened very often, and we're going to see it on Saturday. And just out of principle, I have to bet on both those teams. So give me Kentucky at home plus one and a half against the Vols. When it comes to Tennessee, It's all about Dalton Connect for them. The guy is absolutely unreal. You've probably heard the story of him. Uh, He's a a transfer from Northern Colorado, kind of came out of nowhere, and he is absolutely on fire this season. One of the best offensive players in the country over their last six games. He is averaging nearly 32 points per game. He's at 31.8 points per game over the last four weeks or their last six games they maybe have to rely on him a little too much though against South Carolina their loss to South Carolina earlier this week he, hit, he scored 31 of the 59 points and I worry about what happens if he can't score or is he enough by himself to keep up with some of these teams. Now, Tennessee does have a very good defense, just like they did last year, but Kentucky is a very impressive offensive team. I think at home, Kentucky is able to score. They're a very good three-point three point shooting team, and I don't think Dalton Connect alone is enough to get the Vols over the hump. So give me the Cats as the home dog in this one. I want to wrap things up with a few other games that I'm going to be betting here, and let's start at 5 p.m. Utah is a a two-and-a-half point home favorite against Colorado. Now, I mentioned that Evan Maya list earlier of best home court advantages in the country this season. Utah, number one on that list. They are 5-5 and in the Pac-12. They have five home wins. They have Five road losses. Colorado also on that list at number 12, which means they don't play nearly as well away from Boulder as they do. In Boulder, so give me Utah minus two and a half in this one. The Pac 12 as a whole has also been a very home court dominated league. Pac 12 teams are 42 and 18 at home in conference play this year. That's a 700 winning percentage, the best in all of Power Six basketball. Now, the Big Ten and the Big 12 are also very close to that number. But when you compare it to a league like the ACC, it's really mind blowing. The ACC is just 41 and 32, or home teams, I should say, are just 41 and 32, a uh, uh, 56% winning percentage there. So I like Utah here. And from a basketball perspective, Utah is led by their fifth year seven footer, Brandon Carlson. He's really good inside, he's a nearly 17 point per game guy, also averages six and a half boards. But around him, you also have a couple four. three-point shooters that he can get the ball to, that they can utilize. I like Utah coming off a couple losses here. I like the home court advantage, and I think uh, Colorado will suffer from being away from home. Give me Utah minus two and a half. At 530, I'm going to take my very own Maryland Terrapins plus seven and a half at Michigan State. Now, over Maryland's last six games, they are 4-2, and, and it's playing its best basketball of the year. Maryland got off to a very rough start this year, but has been playing much better ball. Over the last four weeks, starting with January 8th, Maryland has the fifth best defensive efficiency in all of college basketball per BartTorvik.com. Maryland is a very good defensive team and they have a great point guard in Jameer Young who's on an absolute heater. He's averaging 21 and a half points. Over those last six games. Now, Bart Torvik has this line as a nine and a half point spread when you just take into account the full year data. But when you filter it, when you filter out some of that early season uh, poor play from the Terps, if you just take the results over the last month for both of these two teams, the line drops to a point and a half. So at seven and a half points, I like the Terps here. I think Maryland has been playing very well. They have this bye week. They haven't played since beating Nebraska last Saturday, so they should be well-rested, refreshed, focused, and ready to go for this trip to East Lansing. Last year, Maryland was not a very good road team. But things have changed for the Terps this year. They've actually put up some very nice performances on the road this year. Even in games they lost, a game against a very good Northwestern team, a very competent Northwestern team. They uh, they played them close. They lost by three a couple weeks ago. They've picked up wins at Iowa. They've gotten a win at Illinois. This is a very different road team than it was a year ago. I like Maryland in this one. Uh, give me the Terps plus seven and a half. And then one more that I'm looking at, and I got to see if it's posted yet because it still wasn't posted. When I looked, uh, when I looked when these lines were dropping and no, it still doesn't look like it's posted, but a game I'm keeping my eye out for the line I'm watching for is BYU at West Virginia. Now Ken Palm has, this as an 11 point spread. BYU is an 11 point road favorite in morgantown but i'm gonna take west virginia if i can get them at say let's say nine and a half or more i'm gonna take west virginia in this game so i got my eyes out to see what that line is gonna be west virginia finally 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 has its full complement of players they expected to have now they had some ncaa things going on with uh Kirk Carissa and Raekwon Battle, they finally got those guys back. And then Jesse Edwards, their big man, gets hurt, the Syracuse transfer. He comes back, and in his second game back against Cincinnati earlier this week, he has an absolutely monster performance. He drops 25 on them, puts up 10 boards, and the Mountaineers get a 69-65 win. In a game against Cincinnati, Cincinnati, a team fighting for its NCAA tournament life, uh, West Virginia in this game down ten late, they make a huge charge. They end the game on a nineteen to five run. So over the past, over the last six and a half minutes or so of that game, they go on a nineteen to five run and get the win. I think the metrics wildly underrate West Virginia. Because the personnel just hasn't been there all year, and uh, this is a team that even without Jesse Edwards was able to get a win against Kansas earlier this year. It's a team that's really hung in there over with some difficult circumstances, and now that they have everybody they expected to have, I think they can do some more damage over the last ten games in Big Te- in Big Twelve play. It's a very difficult long trip from from. Provo, Utah to Morgantown, West Virginia. I like all those factors in West Virginia's favor. Give me the Mountaineers if I can get it at nine and a half or more in this one. It should be a fantastic weekend of college basketball. I can't wait to watch it all and talk about it with you. That's our show for today. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.